Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Wow, Owen and Moyna have gone away and they've given me the duty of preaching this morning, which is, uh, could be quite dangerous. I can say anything I want. That's the freedom we live in, eh? So those of you who don't know me, my name's uh, Tim. I'm a primary school teacher at a local school. Uh, I've been living in Doncaster for about three and a half years. I'm married in uh, to Catherine, who's, who's not here today, but she does exist. And... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's a, a pleasure to be part of this church and uh, to be part of what God's doing here in Doncaster. Uh, I'm going to begin by, by praying and then we're going to be talking about who Jesus, who we say Jesus is. So, Heavenly Father, we just invite you now. God, uh, you say that when we open your word, it doesn't come back empty. God, I pray that you speak. Uh, through me, but may it be your words and not mine. Heavenly Father, thank you. Amen. So the passage we're looking at today is Mark 8, 27. Uh, Equally, you can find this passage in Luke 9 or Matthew 16. So it's, it's in three of the four Gospels. and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Now already there is a little bit of confusion about who Jesus is. And uh, on my wedding day, there was a little bit of confusion about who I was. Uh, my father-in-law, when he was giving his, um, his speech, said, uh, I'm really delighted for Catherine and James on their wedding day. And uh, James is my brother. And so my heart skipped a beat. But also, my best men absolutely obliterated me. And uh, I've got one of those faces that unfortunately looks like a lot of people, but not a lot of very good looking people, just a lot of, a lot of people. I just want to show you, Ant's got a couple of slides from my wedding day, and uh, this is what my best men did. They said, who do you say I'm? Who's this good looking fella? Be hand if you recognise this man. Gareth Southgate. More than once, someone's come up to me and said, uh, excuse me, are you Gareth Southgate? That's what happens when you have one of those noses. And uh, turn on. Who are these people? Horrible. Frankenstein, really. Phil Neville. And this guy here, uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Horrible. Horrible people. So I've been confused for some of these people in the past. And here in the passage, cheers Anne, please don't distract people any further. Get those off. Here in the passage we see that there is some confusion taking place about who Jesus is. So we're looking at who do we say that Jesus is. 
But why does this even matter? Uh, this morning I bought a newspaper, and I know we've got some visitors from uh, outside of Doncaster today, and I, honestly I don't want to scare you, but this is, is one paper on one day. And uh, we just look at the front cover. Whoops. It says, and obviously a lot of you will know this story from during the week. It's about the young girl that was killed in Elmfield Park and the catastrophe of that. And, and also on the same page, nursery worker on baby death charges. This is one paper on one day. And you see the destruction that is in our world. What upsets me even more is that on page 12 we have a picture of five toddlers and these toddlers are from uh, American mums who dress their kids up to look like One Direction the boy bands goodness me how upsetting how upsetting for these children that we've got toddlers looking like a boy band I think God looks on the world and he sees all this destruction. He sees Man City at the top of the table and he sees that things just aren't right. Things need to change. John Piper said this, I said this before. He says, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. The hearts that are made of flesh and rebellion go against God. And when we have a heart of flesh, we separate ourselves from God and we separate ourselves from each other. The world is in desperate need of Jesus and and as the church we're in desperate need of accurately portraying Jesus for who he really is. So in this passage Jesus and his best mates are having a little chat and Jesus asks them for the popular opinion. He says, go on, tell me what do people really say about me? It's evident that from their confusion about who Jesus is His friends start reeling off some of the answers. They say John the Baptist. Now in Mark 6, going back just a couple of chapters, we hear that John the Baptist was executed. That Herod ordered for him to be killed and served up. uh, His head served up on a platter for he and his friends at a banquet. Others think that he is Elijah or one of the prophets. So you can understand that people uh, are confused about who this Jesus really is is. Already in the Gospels we see that Jesus has been preaching, he's been healing the sick, he's been challenging the religious elite, he's calmed the storm and he's fed the hungry. You can understand that people are intrigued about who this Jesus really is. I can understand that people would want to grapple and wrestle with this idea of Jesus and try and rationalise and make sense of what they have seen and experienced. But though they've seen and experienced Jesus, they've missed the mark. They haven't grasped who Jesus really is. Now today, if you ask your friends who Jesus is, what would their responses be? Just, just fire out a couple. What would they... Someone who doesn't exist. Someone who doesn't exist. Teacher. A teacher. Storyteller. Yeah, storyteller. Imaginary friend. Yeah, an imaginary friend. I asked my friends the same question. I uh, I text a couple of my best friends from home. I'm blessed to have some really good friends, but at the same time, not many of them know Jesus. And uh, so I text a couple of them, and here's what one of them, or here's what a couple of them said. Uh, My best man who did those slides 
said, I should charge you for my opinion. I thought, that's nice, isn't it? He says, I'd say that Jesus was a good man who inspired others with his knowledge and stories and his soul remained in millions of people lives, people's lives after his death. So Jesus was a good man, an inspirational man, a good storyteller. Then I text my oldest friend, Dan, and Dan said, uh, this is incredible, Dan doesn't know or love Jesus, but he says, Jesus was and still is a great man, a God. I thought, oh, well, that's fantastic. A lot of you know that uh, for the last three and a half weeks, my dad's been in hospital, and, and Dan texted me and said, I'm really sorry to hear about your dad, Tim, uh, but know that I'm praying for him. Dan doesn't know Jesus, but the fact that his um, desire to see my dad well has kick-started his prayer life, is uh, I'm delighted with it. And then I text my mate John, who I'm going to be best, for, best man for later in the year, and he texts me saying, should this not be directed at religious people? <laughs> so the idea that it's okay to love Jesus, but as long as you kind of keep it to yourself... My opinion would be that Jesus was probably a very respected, good man in his day, but never the figure he is portrayed in the Bible, Chinese whispers where stories become myths. I'd say that generally, but not exclusively, the attitude toward Jesus is one of apathy and indifference. The people really couldn't care less. And so they see this soft, meek and mild storytelling good bloke Jesus and John Lennon even said I'm sure it did say it I just can't find it <laughs> I don't know which would die out first rock and roll or Christianity we're more popular than Jesus now then there's the Jesus of the religions in Buddhism Jesus is um, a good teacher he's an enlightened man like Buddha in Hinduism, he's one of billions of gods, but they can't ascribe exclusivity to Jesus. And in Islam, Jesus is a prophet like Muhammad, but he is below Muhammad in the food chain. And so there's so much confusion about who Jesus really is. It's safe to talk about what others think about Jesus, though. However, Jesus challenges and confronts Peter and says, Who do you say that I am? It turns it from the informational to the personal. You can imagine what Peter felt like in that room. All the eyes focusing in on him. His heart probably skipped a beat. His palms were sweating as Jesus asked him this question. But at the end, Jesus affirms his answer. Yes, you are the Christ. But who is this Jesus bloke? A lot of you have heard me say before this that Jesus never wrote a book but more has been written about him than any other person. Jesus never ran for political office, but more people call him their leader. Jesus never went to university, but more people are students of Jesus than anyone else. Jesus never trained as a therapist, but more people would claim to have helped, been helped by Jesus than Trini and Susanna and Gokwan and all of those put together. And at a glance... Jesus isn't worth remembering. He was born in a grubby stable. He spent most of his early years in exile, avoiding being killed. 
He was homeless, he was poor, he struggled to pay his taxes, he worked a regular job. At a glance, Jesus wasn't worth remembering. But at the age of 30, he began his public ministry, which included preaching, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, keeping parties going for weeks, and befriending those in society. 2,000 years ago, public opinion wasn't like today. People weren't indifferent about Jesus. He was Marmite. You either absolutely loved him, or you absolutely hated him. The religious leaders absolutely hated Jesus. They wanted him dead. So what does Jesus say about himself? The first thing Jesus says is that he came down from heaven. A lot of people claim to have had near-death experiences and claim to have seen glimpses of heaven. Ozzy Osbourne, the favourite, the, uh, the famous theologian from Black Sabbath, said, and, and I'm from Birmingham so I can do this in a Brummie voice, he said, I saw a white light shining through the darkness, but no angels, no blowing trumpets, and no man in a white beard. Now, if Ozzy Osbourne saw that, then it must be fact. <laughs> but Jesus' claim was different. Jesus didn't claim just to see a glimpse of heaven. Jesus claimed that he came down from heaven. Second of all, Jesus said that he was the Son of Man. Uh, when preaching, Jesus gave himself this title about 80 times in the Gospels. He lifted the term from the prophet Daniel, who said that in a vision that Jesus would come on the clouds of fire, on the clouds of fire with fire. In Matthew 24, verse 30, it says... Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So he came down from heaven, he claimed he was the Son of Man, he performed miracles. As well as being a great leader and a great teacher, his ministry also included great miracles, which was evidence that he was God. In the book of Mark, he, uh, about a third of the verses deal with Jesus and his miracles. And in the Gospels altogether, there are 40 specific miracles that Jesus did. Jesus explicitly said that he was God. He clearly, repeatedly and emphatically claimed that he was God. If this was untrue, it would have been a blasphemy against that first commandment that there was only one God. In Mark 14, 61, Jesus was asked, he remained silent and he had no answer. Again the high priest asked, are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. See, the high priest was disgusted and offended by what Jesus said. And he said, what further witnesses do we need to stone this man? You've heard that he's been blasphemed they was blaspheming what is your decision again in John 8 Jesus said truly truly I say to you before Abraham was I am 1400 years before God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush calling himself I am and when Jesus declared to this person that he was the I am he was saying that he was the God of Abraham the God who called Moses and that he was worthy of being worshipped. 
Now this meant that Jesus was hated, absolutely hated, that three times they tried to stone him to death. Jesus claimed that he was sinless. Sin is both what we do and what we do not do. In the history of the world, no one has credibly claimed that they had not sinned. Yes, Jesus was tempted by sin, but he didn't give in to that temptation. And even Judas, who betrayed Jesus, said that Jesus was blameless and without sin. Jesus forgave sin. In Luke 7, verse 48, he says, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus taught people to pray to him as God. And Jesus said he was the only way to heaven. In John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. So this is the Jesus that Jesus said he was. He said he came down from heaven, was the Son of Man, was God, was sinless, forgave sin, taught people to pray to him, and was the only way to heaven. But why did he come? In the Gospel of John alone it says 39 times that Jesus came down from heaven to suffer and die by God the Father. In Matthew 5, 17-18 Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets but to fulfil them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now this morning I want to look at Jesus in three offices that you see in the Old Testament. You see the prophets, you see the priests, and you see the king. And ultimately all three are fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus. The first one was the the prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophet revealed God by speaking God's word. The prophet was bold and willing to stand up in front of an entire nation and confront sin, commanding people to repentance and crying out to God. The prophet received strong reactions from people who both loved and hated him. The prophet would bring the repentant to brokenness and the unrepentant to hard-heartedness. Now Moses promised that one day there would be a greater prophet than him. That was going to fulfill the prophetic ministry. This prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus arrived. And as a prophet, Jesus can be understood as a truth-telling, bold man who was confrontational and was able to attack sin and rebelling and commanding us to repent. But in Romans 8 verse 1 it says, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think as Christians, when we know that Jesus is prophetic and our prophet, we get depressed and down because of our sin that comes into our life. But when sin is met with repentance, it leads to joy and it sets us free from that. The second office, so we've got prophet and priest. In the Old Testament, the priest would humbly stand between God and man and be its mediator. Their role was to offer sacrifices to God for their sins that they deserved and ask for God's gracious forgiveness. And then there would be God's blessing on them. All the functions of the Old Testament prophet 
are fulfilled in Jesus. The book of Hebrews talks about Jesus as the great high priest. As our high priest, Jesus offers a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. Not only is Jesus superior to all those Old Testament prophets, but his sacrifice was greater as well. Jesus gave his own life, shed his own blood. Now Jesus' ministry as a priest didn't end when he returned to heaven. Today Jesus is alive and ministering to us as our priest. He goes before God. He knows us. He loves us. He cares for us. Not because we are great, but he is our great high priest. This Jesus, our priest, knows every hair on our head, longing of our heart, thought in our mind. And at this moment, Jesus is praying for us, bringing our hurts, our sufferings, our needs, our desires, our dreams before God and loving us the way he was as a priest. We see this in Luke 19 verse 10, where Jesus says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In this wonderful statement, Jesus sees us and humbly, kindly, patiently, graciously continues to pursue us even though we are sinners. Another example in Matthew 9, 9-13 And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to them, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. See, the religious people then and religious people now, we stand at a distance from sin, point at sin, name people as sinful but we don't get close we don't pursue friendships with people who are sinful who are lost it's more easy it's comfortable to stay at a distance from sin Jesus is king when the Bible speaks of Jesus as Lord it's declaring that Jesus is Lord over all creation In John 18, verse 36 to 37, Jesus is having a discussion with a king and confirms that he is king over all kings with a kingdom that rules over all of creation. Echoing this, a theologian called Albert Cowper said, There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence where Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine say that again there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all does not cry mine see Jesus rules over the Christians and the non-Christians the men and the women the young and the old the rich and the poor the healthy and the sick the living and the dead he rules over it all it doesn't stop there Jesus rules over my marriage my job my friends my bank balance, my body, my web browser, all of it, all of it, is king.
king over it all. See, we need to recognise that Jesus is a prophet. Jesus is our priest. And Jesus is our king. I just want to ask uh, Rachel and Abby just to come back up just before we close. Maybe today we need to recognise that Jesus is our prophet. Maybe we need to confront sin. Maybe we need to allow Jesus to name that sin in us. Maybe, if we love Jesus, we need to recognise Jesus as our priest. Someone who is pursuing us lovingly, humbly, gently, restoring us back to him. Maybe we need to recognise that Jesus is our king. Possibly there's some things in our lives that are just not being surrendered over to God. We're keeping them back for ourselves. And this morning, just when we're going to be worshipping, if you love Jesus but know that Jesus doesn't have his rightful place in you as a prophet, priest and king, then maybe that's something that you can respond to. But the question remains to be answered. The same question that Peter was asked, who do you say I am? How do we respond to this incredible person, to the incredible works and the incredible life of Jesus? A lot of you will know this from C.S. Lewis. He says that you are only left with three possible responses. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic or the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronising nonsense about him being a great moral teacher. He's not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So what is he? Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? And if he's neither of those, then he is who he says he is. He is the Christ who Peter proclaimed him to be. This morning, I claim him as Christ. I'm a new creation. I'm born again. I'm restored to my rightful place in a relationship with the most incredible guy that's ever walked this earth. My challenge to you is, if you don't love this guy this morning, consider him. Who do you say he is? We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.